Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. In studio, we have John Hedges with the Into the Wild Outdoors. We're going to be speaking with him today. He's going to be talking about his nonprofit organization and how he helps everybody in Arizona, specifically Southern Arizona. Stay tuned and listen to John speak about Into the Wild Outdoors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Christian Hunters America podcast. We have a special guest today, uh, my good friend John Hedges with Into the Wild Outdoors and with my co-host Chet. How you doing, Chet? I'm doing great. How are you, Mike? Oh, as, as always, fantastic. Enjoying this wonderful change of weather from the hot summers to the, the fall weather time of year. So I absolutely love it. So, John, how are you? I'm doing good in yourselves. Oh, good, good, good. We are so thankful to have you. It's it's interesting. I I feel like I've known you for 25 years, but I probably have only known you for six months. And it's amazing how uh, relationships are built, friendships are built. And what I've kind of noticed is we are so like-minded in so many avenues. It's it's truly incredible when I think about a lot of my beliefs and why I'm involved as a volunteer through Christianized America, then to have somebody of, of yourself that has those same like 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 minded attributes, but then also built a nonprofit organization to give back to the community. So, you want to kind of talk about your organization and what the organization is, and why you believe so heavily into it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, a few years ago, uh, we ended up actually it's been longer than that, probably 15, 20 years ago. I used to guide and, and outfit and, and stuff like that, and and I noticed there's there's becoming a, a gap between uh, you know a lot of people where they couldn't afford to go hunting. They couldn't, uh, they always wanted to go on these dream trips. And I can speak of myself of that too, that, uh, and we just weren't able to, you know, maybe be the funding, maybe be just logistics, uh, equipment, um, stuff like that. And it, and it seems over the last, uh, last 10 years, maybe, um, maybe a little longer that there, you can see that gap kind of widening, um, and noticing a lot more kids not getting involved in the outdoors, um, women, um, although there's a bunch of women now starting to come into that focus where they're, they're actually going on these adventures and hunting and fishing and, and all that stuff, which is great. Um, but, but I think our, our numbers are still dwindling and, uh, we just wanted to provide those opportunities for people that don't get the option or the opportunity to get out there and, and enjoy the outdoors like, like I've been blessed with. Um, so that, that was kind of the main thing that we really wanted to drive home is, is making these, uh, these dreams come true for people and, and teaching, you know, kids and, and women and, and men themselves as well. Um, you know, a healthier lifestyle, uh, you know, get, getting out there, you're, you're getting more energy, you're, you're fellowshipping with other people. And, and that's what it's all about is, is getting back to that, those groups where you used to go camping and, and enjoy camping and, and uh, enjoying each other's company while you're out there around the fire. Yep, absolutely. And I, and I think that goes with, the name that you chose was into the wild outdoors. And I know when we had lunch and one of the conversations was kind of around is, you know, our culture has changed and we're so electronic heavy and we, it's, it's hard for us to leave our homes and with COVID and we get confined and there's something about just getting out into the wilderness, out into the woods, you know, and, and having that fellowship, how it just changes lives and changes relationships and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, um, so a little history. Um, yeah, as you said, you used to guide um, down in southeastern Arizona. Um, I think um, 
you also used to mentor a lot of kids and veterans and, and how the organization came. And now I think you're approaching your fifth year as a official nonprofit in the state of Arizona. Is that correct? Yes, that, that is correct. Yeah, we started in 2016. Um, it was, uh, like I said, it, it it was a vision that God gave me and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't just something that popped in my head and I'm like, I'm going to do this. It was, it, it's, it's actually just, uh, giving credit where credit's due on how this all got started. And, and, uh, and like I said, just kind of listened to him, followed uh, what we needed to do. And, and, uh, here we are going into our fifth year and, and we're excited about the opportunities that are coming up and we've been able to bless a, you know, a bunch of veterans, children, um, women, uh, we've gotten a bunch of first-time women hunters this uh, over the last three years. That that's really stepped up, and and we're getting more every, every day. Same with the veterans, um, helping them out and so forth. I know that uh, I've gotten several from you, Mike, and and actually been able to make some of those actually happen. So moving moving forward, this uh, it, we're really excited at where we're going and and where we're heading on this. And and uh, I mean, just it's just nice to sit back and watch it all unfold. Yep, exactly. And I know one of the things that was most impressive um, getting to know you and, and watching your organization and, and talking to people is is a lot of organizations, you know, across the world and country, you know, they, they promote all the stuff they're doing, but they're hands off and they're always pushing, you know, whatever they're doing off to on, on others and they take credit for it. And where everything I've seen on your side of it is you're you're involved heavily from you know, even from cooking the meals to guiding, taking them out there, setting up the camp, you know, organizing everything. I mean, you are boots on the ground and you're actually building these relationships with each of these individuals and seeing that compounded. Do you want to kind of talk about that aspect of, you know, as, a, as an individual providing for your family, working full time, plus having this passion to give back and, and how that's making a huge difference? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, um, again, we don't want to be a, a giant organization where people don't know who you are. Um, we're, we're, uh, I, I enjoy fellowship with people, um, one-on-one with everybody. Um, sometimes it's even one-on-ten. Uh, we don't, we don't have a, a huge, uh, group of volunteers, but we do have a small group that are really dedicated to, to our cause. Um, you know, just, just getting, be just being able to, uh, to juggle, you know, your own personal hunting, um, taking people out and mentoring them. Uh, working a full-time job. Luckily, luckily the job that I have, we work seven days and they're off seven days. So, so I have tons of time. So we, we kind of base a lot of these hunts and, and uh, a lot of these uh, camps around where I'm able to be able to speak to the kids and speak into their lives and same way with the, the adults and, and veterans and, and all that, that we're, we're able to have that one-on-one fellowship time that, uh, that makes it more personal. Um, we just, we just enjoy enjoy the fact that uh we're able to get out there and set up camps and and sit around the fire and and, and tell stories with everybody and it, it kind of reminds you how it used to be whenever i remember when i first started hunting that we used to have these big giant camps at elk camp and and uh where we had you know 10 or 15 people there and you know only like two or three hunters so it was it's kind of that moving that direction is kind of what we're wanting everyone to realize uh it, it, it's not really about the kill, but it's about just getting out there in the wild and, and enjoying each other's company there. So I, I enjoy the, the fellowship time that we have. Are you getting these tags donated to you as a nonprofit or are the people coming to you because they don't have anyone to take them out and you're kind of giving them guidance on where or what to, um, what tags to apply for. And then like there are their parents reaching out to you and say, Hey, we don't know anything about, hunting and we'd like your help but 
we'd like our kids to to be able to get in the outdoors or we'd like uh you know our brother or sister that's you know coming back from overseas that was deployed and you know how are you reaching out to these people and how are they getting their their tags in order to know about you yeah, I guess, you know, it's it's uh, it's a little bit of both. So we we do have uh, we actually had a lot of people uh, donating tags to us this year. They were unable, um, and uh, which it actually kind of worked out that we were able to get you know hunters and veterans stuff like that involved. Um, as far as like the kids go, uh, we do put on like few camps. Um, so of course that's how it kind of starts with us. Uh, also, our local churches um, getting involved with them, um, and and people get to hear you know, word of mouth and, and seeing what we put on our websites and following us. Um, exactly. These camps that we put on, like we do a Havelina camp down in southeastern Arizona, which is usually unit 28 through 32 uh, every January. And then we do a, a Texas trip where we take the kids down for exotic hunts in Texas. Um, so that, that's kind of how a lot of the parents are approaching us, um, wanting to get their kids involved with that stuff. Um, it, it also provides the parents an opportunity that they don't normally take their kids out uh, or, or even have the, um, experience in, in teaching their children on, Hey, how do you blast? How do you, uh, how do you shoot these guns? How do you shoot the bows? And we're able to go out and mentor them, you know, throughout the year on, on certain, certain times that, uh, and teaching the parents as well. Cause that, that as long as the, the, the parents have to get involved, it just can't always be just the kids. Um, right. and, and getting the, getting the parents involved, it actually, it builds a foundation for them that they're able to pass on to their kids, continue it every year. And if they need help, we, we always help out. I mean, every year we, we have a group of, of people come over and, and we actually help them get put in for Havelina and, and show them how to do it on the computer um, and everything else. So, so that way we're giving them the knowledge and the foundation that they can keep going for future generations of their children and their children's children. So that's good. Can you touch? Um, I heard you say the Texas hunt, are you taking kids from Arizona to a ranch in Texas, or are you outreach to another state and taking kids in in Texas on those hunts? Uh, it's actually open to to everyone in the country. Okay, uh, but, but it's, it's normally the kids that are coming from Arizona. We're taking them down there and and go forth and so forth. Just a for like a weekend trip. So we'll leave like usually a Friday morning, um, get there Friday afternoon and and hunt. Uh, Saturday, we'll hunt uh, half a day Sunday, and then come back by Monday. Gotcha. So super fast trip, it's really good. And on some of those ranches, it is game heavy. What are you guys targeting out there? Like the southern whitetails, or javelina, or no, wild it, boars? It'd be, yeah, it'd be exotic. It'd be um, you know wild boars. It will be. Um, it's pretty much up to the kids. Okay. So, so yeah, if, if uh, we're able to help bless them and and provide opportunities, that's uh, you know, some of those ranches can be kind of expensive. So, you know, we, we usually buy all the kids their hunt license, um, their exotic license, just to help them out. But we're also getting these kids to help pay back to the organization as well, you know, volunteering some time here and there and, and uh, helping out. So it's uh, it, it, it gives them ownership and, and going that route. Right. Well, I, I imagine. Yeah, that's, that's one of the other great things, too, is I think we forget that, it doesn't just have to be a giveaway program, no matter what it is in the world, you know, that we do is when we're given back and there's ownership and there's a commitment and there's a financial or a labor or a volunteer mechanism that comes back to whatever you're receiving, that creates the ownership and it creates pride and it creates all of these other attributes of the success of the program where 
I've been, you know, unfortunately, I think we probably all have is where you go and you just donate and, and somebody gets everything for free and there's no accountability and there's no, there's gratitude, but the, it's like a, a wham, bam, and thank you. And you're, it's out of sight of mind. You never think about it. But I think when you're talking about kids and you're getting them in the outdoors where they're investing their time, their talents, they may have to do a little fundraising for themselves to help split a partial cost that goes so long in the big picture of life and, and to create those values with inside of us. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. You said you're you're touching up on the educating the parents and whatnot. I mean, if a parent's never been outdoors and they don't know what putting a bino on a tripod or what rifle or what caliber or how to shoot or how to, you know, mount a scope, and there's a ton of money involved and there, there can only be so many, <clears throat> excuse me, like you said, volunteers, there can be only so many equipment and you want to keep it small so that people still have that root base of where it came from and know everybody that's involved and there's more volunteers than more hunters so that it doesn't get um too big and and, you know too commercialized but are you like you said are you educating the parents and if they want to go further with their hunting aspirations or or continue to go and do more things outdoors like this is what you kind of need and these are some inexpensive ways to get into this and educating those parents so that they could buy it for them in the future. Yes. Yeah, we, we do. And, and, you know, we're, we've been pretty blessed with uh, a lot of people that donated this uh, camouflage. So camouflage is a prime example. I mean, you can run the whole gamut of, of hey, this, this camouflage is, you get a thousand dollar outfit pants and you guys know how it goes. And it, and you don't need all that. Um, but we've been blessed with, with people that's donated us, uh, camouflage clothes that we're able to wash clean and, and kids that come up that don't have this or have never bought it. And, and some of the parents do struggle with, with being able to afford to pay for this stuff. So we actually, you know, donate it to them or we give it to them. You know, here you go. Uh, here's your camouflage to get them started on the right track. Um, get them helped out. And, and the same way with, with taking them out and shooting and, and so with it, it's, it's always great coming once we get closer to January, all the parents that are going to be attending the, the Havelina camp, they want to take their kids out and make sure the rifles are sighted in. And, and we're going out and doing that route. And, and starting in January, we actually got uh, some binoculars that we have that, that we're actually going to start taking them out scouting, um, kind of like a youth weekend adventure youth group. It's not like Boy Scouts or anything else like that, but it's more of an outdoors Hey, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet this weekend and we're going to head out and glass. We're going to teach everyone how to glass beforehand. And, and, uh, our camp, we're going to show up there early and, and, and teach the parents, say, this is what you're looking for and teaching the kids instead of just running and getting and trying to get out there and get them a kill. It's, uh, it's so much more than just that. It's, it's everything that goes into it and showing the hard work that it takes to, you know, finding and glassing and, the, and enjoyment of, of seeing the wildlife. So we're, we're excited on, on how this all is going. With, with that so next year is going to be a, a different year as far as teaching the kids more more techniques and and uh and more skills to learn out there in the outdoors as long as parents that's good those are lifelong <clears throat> those are lifelong lessons that will pay dividends um the working hard to get those uh those kills or the lifelong lessons of working hard to get anything uh you can't you can't ever take that kind of knowledge away and yep. Also, um, obviously hunting, we, some people don't view us as conservationists. Um, we'll delve into that at another time, but we all know that we're big conservationists and, 
um, as hunters, we want those animals there for future generations so that numerous kids and the kids' kids and many generations past that will have those animals to be able to see and or harvest. I know when I'm out there or when I take my kids or when we're on mentored hunts, even if it's not an animal you're chasing, it's still fun to be able to glass those up if you're on a, on a pig hunt and you see some mule deer or you see another species, coos deer or whatnot, and just to be able to, you know, watch them in nature, in God's country, you're, you're, you know, you're in his creation, you're closer, you, you have your thoughts. Are you bringing all that to those kids' attentions and those vets and how it heals and it clears your mind that you're, you're out there in nature, you're able to see those animals, educate them on the animals, and tell them that, you know, these animals live here for X, Y, and Z reasons, and we're seeing them here at this time, or, you know, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, it, 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 it's neat to see some of the, the kids that's been involved with us for, for the past couple of years on how they're like, you're, you're out there walking around and, and, Oh, look, there's a, there's a bear. Um, and, and actually following the tracks and, and tracking. And, and it's, it's neat to see how these, some of these, these kids have transformed into, they're going to be great hunters someday. And, and, you know, we're getting a, a, a bunch of young ladies that are actually getting involved in this. And, and, uh, and they were just, I mean, we got a couple of them that are just on top of their game. I mean, I'd be honest, I'd, probably pay them to guide me someday i mean <laughs> they're, they're that good i mean they're glassing good they're they're stalking they're everything it's it, it's neat to see these these kids transform the way they have been that's awesome when how do you how do you bring in the fellowship how do you bring in the ministry or is that something that you're speaking about prior to going out there during the whole hunt um you know encouraging them to to pray while they're out there or how, how do you bring that into their life yeah, so so a lot of it is is whenever we get in, um, especially in the evenings, you know, make sure that we're praying over our food. Um, just just starting to plant those seeds uh, when we're out there uh, talking about you know the wilderness and and how amazing the outdoors is. And, and there's only one way that was created. You know, it wasn't for man. It wasn't for anything else. So it, it's always good to just kind of drop these seeds in there for them and and uh, you know help water. A lot of these kids already have that thought in their head about God and, and faith and, and the church and, and the outdoors and everything else. So it's, it's, it's nice to be able to water those here and there and, and, and watch them sprout. And I mean, that's, it's just been an exciting program that we've provided. And kids are like sponges. I mean, they absorb all that. They, so many of them learn from watching and they need those adults in their life to give uh, positive role models. So, I mean, that's huge that you and volunteers are going to be out there um, their parents, so they applaud their parents for allowing them to come out there and and partake in something like that. But just getting there and even having those positive role models in their lives to be able to show them things that they may or may not ever be able to experience. And like you said, planting that seed so that they can uh, see if it's something that they're into, see if there's something that uh, sparks that interest. And once that spark is lit, you know, there's no holding back kids you know there's so much electronics like mike touched on earlier all of us are you know we're all guilty of it it's it's in today's day and age it's not going away um unfortunately every every job it seems needs internet and whatnot but everybody needs to take a break and and go outside and and clear your mind and uh get re-centered so 
that's awesome that you're able to do that because even if it's geared for the kids and the uh, and the veterans and other people that you're specifically taking out, you're indirectly helping all those parents too, and they're seeing um, role models for their children and giving them good advice and whatnot. And you're 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 planting a seed in in their mind too on. I want to be there for my kid or I want to be there for your loved one, no matter who it is. So I yeah. applaud you for that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a blessing. Yeah. And I think that's, um, one of the things that most impressed me when we met was just your heart to give back and to make a difference in the lives of others. And, and it really seemed like that's where you kind of came from, you know, being a, a part-time guide, you know, and, and guiding for many years and kind of transforming to where instead of guiding, having people, you know, throw all this major money at you, you know, per se, even though you've, you invest more time in your vehicles and your resource and everything else. And I think that's a, a false sense that a lot of people have on guides that you write this big check and then they take you out there, but they don't do anything. But the reality is you live out in the woods and your vehicles are being torn down and everything else. And now you're taking that same mentality and you're doing all that same investment and basically having an open door policy for these veterans and kids to basically say, hey, come and, and experience something you probably have never experienced in your lifetime, just a, an open platform of grace and humility. And while you have a teacher's heart that's basically saying, I'm going to teach you basically how to do all this stuff so later you can give back and teach somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's, it, it's always been in our hearts. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we've been married for coming on 30 years. Um, and it's always been in our hearts to give back. And, and it's it's never been anything about, hey, it's about me. Um, it's about the us. Uh, it's always been, hey, how can we bless somebody? And uh, it, it it's really, it's we've been blessed by being able to be a blessing. And, uh, you know, it's I'm, I'm a firm believer on that. So it's uh, it's been an enjoyable experience. Yep, absolutely. And I, and I, and I know that, the people that I'm around that are typically givers and they give back, the blessings that come back to them is a hundredfold, sometimes a thousandfold. And I'm just thinking back to a couple of months ago where you were helping some individuals and they were sitting in a particular stand and there was this monster coos deer hitting the stand, but they end up shooting a, a buck that they were super proud of. And you decided to go, hey, I'm going to go sit on that stand and you want to tell you about your story about how God just blessed a, a tremendous buck for you that somebody that you were kind of basically given back to and, and put them in your your exact spot where you harvested, you know, a day, day and a half before, whatever it was, and how God just says, here you go. We, you know, it's, that's to me, that's just God's blessing that's poured back on you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, um, you know, in August, like I said, I, I actually have uh, South, Southeast Centers on that. Um, had some blinds set up, um, had some deer coming in, uh, going to natural licks, uh, water holes, stuff like that. Um, the water holes are kind of difficult because all the rain we had, which you guys know about, but, uh, ended up having, um, actually three people sit this, this blind. So I had, uh, a lady, um, sit it and she ended up shooting a spike off this blind and, and then, uh, had another guy shoot a small two by three. And then a good friend of mine, um, Kevin, Kevin Jones was down and, and, uh, he sat the blind. Um, actually I, I was taking him into this blind. I told him, Hey, um, I'm going to grab a camera while you're in there. Um, it's in the afternoon on the 29th, I think it was of August. So grab the camera. I just want to take a look. And I know another camera is another story too. Um, but, uh, they are great tools. So I ended up bringing the camera out, um, off the tree. And I was like, Oh my goodness, there's giant coos deer that I'd only seen once or twice before all summer, um, was there the day before. And, uh, 
so Kevin sat there all night. He came out, and I, I was telling him at dinner that night. I said, "Man, this is uh, it was me. I sit that that blind every day." I said, "You know, you're you're here. Enjoy it." And so the next morning, he sat there to about ten o'clock, and and uh, that was on the twenty ninth and or thirtieth. And he's like, "Man, you know what? I'm done. I I'm uh, let's go run again." So we went and was running again, and he shot a nice little buck. He was he was happy with and. Got him into 46 yards, and which uh, as soon as he was down, I was like, I'm, we're done hunting. I got one day, I was planning on a trip to go to Alaska uh, for uh, uh, one of my dream trips I always wanted to do. Um, so with, with my health issues I had over the past couple of years, I was, I was really focused on that. So I called my wife up and told her, hey, I'm going to sit this blind tomorrow, and um, I won't be home till till night. She's like, yeah, go ahead. And uh, Kevin wanted to go sightseeing, so I thought, well, perfect opportunity, I'll get over there and Went in, sat there in the morning, and and had a couple of does come by, and, and then uh, and then finally I looked up on the hill above me and I seen this deer move, and and uh, next thing I know I, I couldn't see him anymore, and, and it's probably about 100, 120 yards of the hill, and the next thing I see here he comes right down the, and I knew instantly as soon as he started coming down the hill, and which I sent you the pictures, and <laughs> yep, it's yep. Uh, amazing, it, amazing, yeah, and, and he ended up coming. Um, got to about 55 yards, stopped the first time, 61 yards, and looked around, and then stopped at 55 yards, uh, looked around, took one step, was behind a tree, drew my bow, and I could hardly hold on to my bow. My, I was shaping so bad, and heart was beating so hard, and, and, uh, and he came, and he stopped about 45 yards again, and, and I finally told myself, I said, I'm not letting him get any closer. If he gets to this white rock that's, that's on this trail, I'm, I'm shooting him, and, and uh, sure enough, he walked right over the top of the rock and stopped. And it was, uh, it, it, it was, I, I, I call it a, it, it was a true blessing that Buck showed himself. Um, I, I don't know how many times I've set blinds and I think I even talked to you about that, Mike. Yep. I set up these blinds and had tons of big pictures of, or good pictures of great deer, giant deer. Never once have I ever shot one out there. And, and, uh, this buck presented itself, um, and the rest is history. So I ended up shooting it and we were up to a minute, uh, 127 inches. A non non typical double main beam buck on the on his right antler, um, five points on his left. I just, I, I I still I still can't believe it happened, but uh, I, I'm definitely blessed by it. What coos deer dreams are made of, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Once in a lifetime. That's that's an incredible. Mike has told me it, but not in that detail. Nothing nothing like the person who experienced it firsthand. And like you said, that is God's blessing. Um, pouring back in, in 10 volt absolutely and we've all been there anyone that's an archery hunter knows that that uh, and and rifle too but they're far far enough away that you don't get the same uh buck or bull fever that you get when you're archery hunting because of how close you are to that species so how far was that white rock what was that line in the sand on how far you were not going to let him get any closer it was 36 yards. 36 yards. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and we I, know. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even hold my bow whenever I first drew it. And like my, my, uh, my left hand, I shoot right handed, but the, my left hand was just a wet noodle. It was, it was crazy. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I really focused, had to calm down, calm my breathing down. And, uh, all the way from every time he stopped at 55 yards. And it seemed like eternity, but wasn't that long, but ended up finally settling that pin. Um, right in on him and, and just followed through and made a, made a great shot. 
only ran 40 yards afterwards. It was, it was special. Yeah, we call it that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it came from military, just a military term of combat breathing when you're, you know, I'm sure all the veterans that you've taken out are familiar with that or anyone that's that's been involved in that kind of stuff. But we call it combat breathing where it's, you know, breathing in through your nose and holding it for a little bit and then exhaling through your mouth. And that really, you know, close your eyes, reset yourself, control that breathing, control that adrenaline as much as you can and either get that sight picture, whether it be archery or, or rifle, um, close your eyes, reset yourself, get your breathing under control. You know, don't, don't grip the bow too hard. Don't squeeze the trigger too hard or, or whatnot, but glad that you were able to, um, come back, come back from that high and, and reset the pin and get that 127 inch, 127 inch non-typical is an enormous, enormous coos deer. So that's awesome. Yep. And that is a a great point because I kind of felt that the same thing this year after sitting so long for coos deer. And there is something to be said when that buck pressure, you know, comes in and you start shaking and you're having to control yourself and it is like no feeling. I don't think there's anything in this world can, can regenerate that feeling of the excitement, you know, almost like it's almost like a fear that comes over. Then you're trying to control, then you're trying to calm yourself down. Then to be able to hold a bow with an arrow and hold a pin steady with the slightest margin of error and, and on top of that, a, an animal that can jump out of its skin, you know, and, and, and still be able to have a successful. I mean, that truly is yeah. just everything come together is, is a God's blessing. It's just truly oh, amazing. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, it was great. I, like I said, I've, I've been fortunate enough to take, take a bunch of different species and, and, and uh, you know, shoot some great animals in my time and, and so forth. And, and uh, this, this by far, once I was done, I was, I, I had to actually regroup and, and, and get my mind together because I just could not believe it just happened like that. So it was great. Did he jump the string at all or did you aim for that reason or did you aim right on the vitals and it was so fast and so close that he didn't have a chance to? Yeah, I, I, I just told him he, he did not, um, he didn't flinch until, until the arrow hit him and, and then, uh, you know, turned off to his left and, and took off um, running the side hill. And I, I, I knew right then that it was, it was done and over with. But, uh, yeah, it was, I, was, I was pretty fortunate. Didn't even flinch. And we were talking a lot about the kids' outreach and the kids' ministry. Um, on the veterans' side, how are, how are they hearing about you? Um, is it all word of mouth? And when you take them out there, um, being an adult and having a different appreciation or a different level of appreciation than, than kids just because of years of experience or, or, you know, years on this earth, um, showing them these species, especially like a, a white tail that, um, is only found here in Arizona and a little portion of New Mexico and, and old Mexico and teaching them that kind of aspect of how much you're appreciative to be able to, to witness these kind of things and see these animals, um, but is it word of mouth that they're they're hearing about you, or how are these vets being able to go out with you? Yeah, so a lot of the uh, a lot of the vets that are coming out, um, there's some that are word of mouth, some that are that people know um, that actually nominate them. So we used we used to do a nomination form where people could get on our website and nominate, um, you know, terminally ill children. Um, so so we we decided to expand it from 
from just focused on on the children to to veterans that have been wounded or, or have a disability, service-related disability, and uh, you know just try to help out any way we can there. Uh, same way with our first responders um, and so forth, because they they kind of fit in with that as well. Um, but uh, a lot of it's been you know people that's nominated them or or have spoke up said, hey, you know, got this this guy or I I say. I, I can reach out to people like you, you guys, the Christian Hunters, or other organizations, and say, "Hey, we I have a tag that's donated, and and would love to to bless somebody with it." And so a lot of it's that way as well. Um, dealing with the adults and and listening to some of their stories, stuff that I've never experienced, or or uh, it, it's even hard for me to even fathom um, some of the stuff they've been through, or their injuries, or whatever it may be. Um, that, that we're able to speak in each other's lives because I, I don't know if it's us blessing them or if it's them blessing us by, by coming out and, and actually experiencing, you know, a hunt. So I, I, I always kind of look at it more, of, you know, after hearing their story and, and seeing the look on their face after, you know, they're out there enjoying the outdoors and, and shooting an animal that they've always wanted to. Um, I, I, I really kind of tend more the blessings for me than it is for them. I, it's, it's just been a great experience. Oh, that's God's blessing that he's able to reward all of us through our giving and through their receiving. But um, like you said, all those veterans, some of their wounds aren't always visible or some of their their uh, disabilities are not always visible from the outside. There's a lot of mental mental struggles. We've had a, a couple of guys on here before um, that have spoke about that, those mental injuries and the PTSD and some of the stuff that they've seen and witnessed. That in the past, um, you know, a lot of our fathers were in either the Vietnam War or grandparents in in, in Korean War or, or World War II and whatnot, and they didn't have the resources. They didn't have the the giant welcoming home that a lot of um, current current day and age has. There's not as many resources back then, and you know, in the in this time where we are talking about the digital age. Um, there are more resources. There's more ways for them to connect or to, to reach out. And there's always suicide awareness, uh, the veterans and first responders and a lot of those career paths or different things that they see. Um, you can't always, they don't want to speak about it. They're, they're, you know, too proud or, or whatnot, but some of the stuff that they see that most others don't, and it gives them a time to be able to reflect. Uh, sometimes if they're around other other veterans or, or other people that have experienced those types of things in their life, they're more apt to open up. And that's part of the healing process of being out there, being welcomed in a group such as yourselves and feeling secure enough around a campfire or on the side of a mountain or, you know, walking out there, um, whatever it may be, sitting around for breakfast in the morning, just that, that openness and that um, safety and being able to feel more secure about talking about it. Um, there's a huge problem with first responders and, and our military vets of suicide and anything that we can do to help them clear that mind, um, help them reset, help them get mentally strong and, and be there for them is a blessing. So like you said, you're helping them and, and, and they're helping you at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So you talked about a lot of life skills. So for the listeners today that want to kind of follow along or maybe they want to get involved with you, 
What would be some of the attributes that specifically as you would train or mentor out in the field? So when it comes to glassing, like what are some like 20,000 foot level of glassing or maybe picking an area or a camping spot that would determine that this is the area that you want to hunt or how to look at a map or determine if there's water holes that you should be checking, things like that. Because I do know that when you're a first hunter or you want to get involved or as, as you're seeing with a lot of these families coming in, what are some of those basic things that you're trying to create as a foundation that basically then you take them out in the field and, and expand on it? Yeah, so, so like for us, I mean, um, a, lot, a lot of it goes with uh, just fellowship, you know, with, with people through our, our local churches and stuff like that. Hey, we're going to go out this weekend, and, and we actually just start talking about it then. Um, hey, this is, this is kind of something you're looking at when we're out here looking for, you know, whether it be coos deer, you know, as far as elevation-wise, so forth, uh, mule deer, uh, javelina up there, um, elk. We, we even do some stuff up there in the White Mountains where we'll go up there as well. Uh, you know, showing them trails and, and rubs and scrapes and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, glassing, you know, a lot of times we'll be out there and we'll set the binoculars up and, and uh, get them set and talk about grids and, and stuff like that. Here's, here's how whenever I look at this, this is how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack as far as uh, glassing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to start off with this grid. I'm going to go left to right or right to left and, and move down one frame and so forth and, until I'm done with the whole place. And then I'm going to do it again. Uh, so I, I think the, the biggest the biggest thing that uh, that we try to instill in, in everybody is about patience. Um, sitting there, um, sometimes it's not in your timing. You think that, hey, we should already seen something, let's leave. Uh, there's been times we sat there in glass and, and teaching people how to glass for two, three, four, five hours even, um, especially on a hunt if, if we're taking someone hunting. So it's it's a it's a different type of mentality that you got to get your mindset in and so forth. So we, we actually even start with that. Um, that's the type of skills that we want them to take. And, and it's life lesson skills, being patient, you know, not trying to put it in your timing, um, but just let it, let it come as it, as it comes. So I, I, it's, uh, parents get, get real hard with that. Um, especially if they've never been out there. Uh, I, you guys all know, there's been times where you've probably sat there glassing on the, on a rifle Tuesday hunt and wait for them to stand up. The deer has been bedded for five hours and, and, uh, gets up and stretches and beds right back down. And you're like, Oh man, miss that <laughs> so um it, these, these are the type of things that, that we're able to discuss and, and the fellowship time when you have sit there with the kids or, or with anybody um it, it, it's always that 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 good time of, of talking about hey what do you want to do in life uh how, how can how can you integrate this into you know leadership skills um and how can you integrate this into patience and and uh, understanding and 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 it always leads into grace and and, and other things that uh, that maybe they want to talk about, maybe you want to talk about with them. So it's uh, it just good good opportunities. Yep, absolutely. And it's amazing that I go back. I'm approaching fifty, which is kind of crazy when I think about you know how, where time goes. And my grandma, um, you know, she passed away twenty years ago. But I remember as a young kid, she would always cook in a crock pot. And I remember back then the microwave was this new thing that was just like the wow factor. And we'd go get our frozen burritos and throw it in there. And she'd always come back saying, you don't want instantaneous food because it's going to rot you out. You want slow cooking in the crock pot. You put the ingredients and you let everything kind of sizzle and come together. And, you know, it tastes amazing. And, and I just I always remember that when it came back to the hunting side, I think that's why I love cooking sometimes. That's why when you cook and you invest in the cooking, the meals are that much better. 
where on the hunting side is I think everybody wants that instant gratification, that microwave, just pull up, walk up a hill, shoot it, show it off, get your glamour pictures and move on. But when I think about hunting and the scouting and the investment and the fellowship, it's that whole package of almost like a crock pot being all the ingredients and you're building it and building it. And then finally, when you're able to taste it, you know, that's the success and the rewards that you get when that opportunity comes. So, <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good, I've never, I've, I've known Mike for quite a while. I've never heard that analogy, but that is spot on. There's so many people. I mean, we are all blessed in different ways. Um, if someone's super successful and, and they can afford, you know, a really high-end guide and, and they don't have to put in as much work, so be it. Um, there's benefits to both, but there is something to say about that DIY aspect of getting out there and those kids and those veterans and anyone else that you're taking is getting to experience that. Those lifelong leadership lessons or lifelong lessons that um, pay dividends in their in their adult life as a kid. Uh, the, the aspect of patience is huge. Um, it's important out on a hunt and it's important in life that you know you're quick to get angry there's ramifications for that. If you're quick to get up uh, from a, a stand, you know, then you may miss that animal. And yep. I applaud you for, for teaching those aspects, especially to the kids. And, you know, some of our veterans and, and adults still struggle with that. Many adults struggle with patience. Me being, me being one of them, Mike can sit in a stand or in a blind for a week straight, if he if a if a sleeping bag could fit in there, he would stay in there twenty four seven for seven days, knowing that uh, a potential big buck or or bull or whatever is coming in there. And I start you know thinking about oh man, it's it's hot in here, or oh I wish I was outside, or I wish I was putting a stalk on something. And sometimes you gotta you know it's not just about resetting yourself when the animal comes in, it's resetting your mental, mental uh, fortitude and that mental toughness in order to stay in the hunt or stay in that spot or, or whatnot. You were saying they, that that animal could bed down for five hours. I know in my very first archery hunt, I was close enough on the side of a hill in the White Mountains and uh, my buddy had taken me out and we were sitting there for I don't know how long and it felt like forever but because it was such a, a steep incline, the deer were above us and he's sitting on the other side of the hill and kind of giving hand signals or, or whatnot. But you're just sitting there forever and ever waiting for that deer to get up from being bedded. And, uh, you know, that wasn't successful. I'll throw myself under the bus. It was my first archery hunt, so I, I didn't harvest that mule deer. But I was close enough that you could hear it um, kind of chewing its cud and they'd get up and reposition, but it didn't give an opportunity. And um, being new, you know, we're talking about the gear and stuff. I didn't have a range finder or anything like that. But anyway, um, those lifelong lessons, you you learn from those. And some of the best lessons learned are the hardest. I've said that uh, to other people. And I don't know where I heard that, but it, it always stays with me that even if it's not successful in your mind, you're still learning, you're still gaining experience, and there's something to be learned from that so even if those kids or those vets just getting some of that stuff off their chest going out there and experiencing it even if they don't harvest an animal they are gaining 
um, a valuable, valuable mindset, a valuable uh, lessons learned, and an appreciation for everything that, that God's provided for us. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I always, last... I, always tell the, I always tell all the kids and, and every person I take out, actually, it's, it's a, you know, these, these opportunities that you get, um, you know, they're either going to break you or they're going to make you. So um, if, 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 if it doesn't work out, you know where you have to change to, to make it better. And that's, that's kind of the nice thing about, about the youth. Um, you, you, know, you know how it is a lot of times. Uh, a, lot, a lot of older gentlemen, um, men, uh, so forth, it, it's hard to get them to to accept on, on, on some things. And, and I know I've, I've had my issues in the past and so forth about, uh, Oh man, I know, I know, I know how to do it. You know, and, and a lot, I think, I think pride has a lot to do with that, especially with men. Um, the, the women really step up and, and embrace it. Um, all these events that we've ever done and, and teaching women how to hunt. And, and it, it's been always a, a super good lesson because they, they understand that they take it and, and a lot of the men, um, especially lately, are starting to come to that realization that that, uh, that hey, this this is going to be a challenge for me. Um, some of them might be um, fitness. It may be um, just the the mindset of man, I don't like to go camping, um, and and they're actually getting out and doing it. So it uh, it challenges them and puts them in these these positions that uh, that they're going to take with them forever. And that's the same with the kids. Uh, that's why I think it's so enjoyable is to see how these kids that overcome. Um, a challenging situation without getting upset and mad and, and oh man, I miss that that deer or I miss that javelina. Um, every year I hear that, but uh, at the end of it, it's like man, that was that was absolutely great, and they're going to remember that. That's the same way with you hearing that that deer chewing its cud. You're always going to remember that uh, as long as you live. That that one time um, made you change on how you would do it the next time. So it, it's it's exciting. I just have one last question. Um, when you, when there is a successful harvest, and I'm sure you're doing this, but are you showing them how to butcher those animals and then teaching them how to cook those in order to, you know, come full circle and appreciate the animal and be able to uh, nurture your body when you take that animal that it was able to, you know, it gave its life basically in order to help you. And have that appreciation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so like our, our youth javelina camps, uh, always the first javelina that's shot. Um, we always we always take it back to camp. We show them how to how to actually you know you're you're still dressing it, um, you're skinning it. Um, we even even they step up and help out and, and do it as well. Uh, we take some of the, the meat off. We actually cook it there in camp for everyone to have and. Uh, so, so it's just kind of a, a neat thing that they're seeing this, um, and they're they're associating it with with it's not all about uh, you know just killing something. It's about how this is going to go on to feed you and, and feed your family, and and, it, and it's actually healthier than a lot of the meat we buy in the stores anymore. One hundred percent on that. Yeah, and it, it's neat to see how they they embrace that, and, and every one of them tries it. So it's not like oh that's gross or anything else, but they uh, it. it it's exciting for anyone listening that thinks that javelina can't taste good we're here to tell you that it can uh you don't have to it's all about the preparation and and the field care um 
they're not a rodent. They are from like an old world pig that is coming from a, a game biologist. Well, I have plenty of people that say they're rodents. They're gross. There's no way you would eat them, but they are. That's why we call them, you know, when you're hunting pigs or you're hunting javelina. I mean, they're not a traditional pig, but they are from that old world pig family, the peccaries. And there's definitely plenty of ways to enjoy their meat. That's our little public service announcement for the day. (laughs) Mike, any closing remarks? Yep. My last one is uh, growing up and and living in a very small community in southeastern Arizona, and the impact you're doing is is quite impressive. So if there are veterans out there or kids, or I do know that you guide still part-time on a a small basis, and if people want to get a hold of you and and experience what you have to offer, how, how can they get a hold of you and and what would be some of the benefits, um, just as a quick three to five minutes of why, if let's say they want, they're looking for an outfitter to be trained. I mean, I know there's some, I have a couple friends that they go hire outfitters because they want in other states because they want that outfitter to basically teach them how to hunt that state so they can go and hunt that state the rest of their lives. And they kind of use it as a teaching. Their philosophy is what I can learn from the guide would take me 10 years to figure out based on what their techniques are based on that area. Or if there's kids that want to get involved um, and experience some of the, the great camps, how, how can they do so? Yeah, so so actually, I mean, you can reach out. Uh, of course, we got a website, which is uh, intothewildoutdoors.org. Um, you can actually get on there. If you, there's email. Uh, phone numbers are on there, too. So uh, just just feel free to reach out to us anytime. Um, and, and, you know, if you want to volunteer, if you want to... Uh, if you want to partake in one of our camps, we always have our events on there on what we're doing, uh, when we're doing it. Um, it it's it's, a, it's actually a really really easy process. Uh, the best best way to do it is get signed up for for our newsletter. We'll actually send out a newsletter uh, every other month, um, and we could actually uh, if if you just want to to find out about any upcoming trips, I mean, feel free to reach out to us, call us. And we'll leave your links. Um, do you have Facebook or any other social media that they can reach out to you on? Yeah, absolutely. We got Facebook. Uh, I, I do believe Instagram that my that they have set up. Um, as far as that goes, well, it is Instagram. Um, also, uh, like I said, just the websites that we have. And I'll include those links um, when we publish this podcast. Well, we really okay. appreciate your time. Um, Thank you very, very much. And as always, Mike ends us with a prayer. Mikey. All right. Uh, we just want to come to you, Lord Jesus. We just uh, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come together again and uh, experience this technology called a podcast and uh, meet and build relationships with all these great individuals and their organizations and what they do to give back. And and as we just spoke today, Lord, I just... Uh, and on my heart is the Matthew 5, 16, uh, let, your shine, let your light shine before men that it may glorify your glorify your father in heaven and the good deeds that basically that we do and we and what we just witnessed today is into the wild outdoors is truly a matthew five sixteen ministry and making a difference in the lives of others so i just ask that you bless that organization bless all those that are listening today and if there's anything that anybody needs um feel free to contact us at info at christianhunters.org and uh we'll be here to pray for you and help you out so in jesus name we we pray and we give you all the praise and glory lord amen Amen. Mm-hmm.